Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. This is really the second show of 2017. We did New Year's Day last year, I believe, January 1st. I'm trying to remember all my dates correctly. Um, Yeah, I think it was January 1st. Last Sunday we did it before the Auburn Tigers lost to Oklahoma. We'll discuss a couple of those games that that we didn't get to talk about that took place Monday, including that phenomenal Rose Bowl. And what a, that was probably the best game of the bowl series. We're going to preview tonight the Alabama-Clemson National Championship game. A lot of people out there picking Clemson. A lot of people think Clemson, after beating Ohio State 31-0, that they have a good chance to, to knock off the defending champ. I'm... I'm from the school, anything can happen, but I just don't see Clemson beating Alabama. Jonathan, hope all is well with you, bud. How how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, buddy. Um, just enjoyed uh, some football today. Uh, you know, <sighs> boy, I tell you what. I really wish I was back home in Tampa this weekend because it looks like it has been a fun week with the championship crowd being there. Yeah, we'll see what it – I'm excited. What do you think the ratings will be for this game tomorrow night? I'm hearing they're not going to be as good, but how do you not watch the national championship game? Well, I think, you know, the people who are saying that are the same people who said, who's going to watch the Patriots-Giants Super Bowl in 2011? Like, oh, why would you want to watch the Patriots and the Giants again? Oh, God, that's terrible. And it got really great ratings because it wound up being a really good game. And, like, last year's game was really good. Alabama essentially won the game on a kickoff return. Um the onside kick and the kickoff return. It was special teams that swung the game in their favor. You know, so a lot of people, including myself, are going to turn tune in to see if Clemson can vanquish the Giants because this is the first time we've seen two teams meet back-to-back years in the National Championship game. And, you know, this is a rematch that a lot of people picked at the beginning of the season to happen. So I think there's a lot of interest and intrigue in this. The, the people who say the ratings are going to be down are the same grumps who you know are don't don't want to vote for anybody to the baseball hall of fame because they use steroids in an era where everybody was using steroids. Yeah, and and here's the deal: you'll get a lot of people to watch it because they want to see Alabama lose, and that's the honest truth. I think anytime yep. you have a polarizing team like Alabama, just like the Patriots, you know everybody watches them, hoping. Tom Brady gets broken in half or they lose or or you're a Patriots fan. So Bama's going to get a lot of attention in this game, but it, it, it just feels to me like Bama's the underdog almost. If you listen to the media, if you, if you, if you look at message boards, if you hear people talk, all of a sudden, you know, Lane Kiffin leaving, uh, told to leave, not wanted anymore a week before the, the championship game. What First of all, what's your thoughts on that? What do you think happened? Well, uh, what I think happened was Saban realized that uh, unlike um, uh, Kirby Smart, Lane was going to try and perform his new duties while also being a part of, you know, trying to win another national title. You know, a lot of people forget that Kirby didn't do pretty much any work for Alabama until Alabama season was over, until they'd won the championship. So he accepted the job at Georgia and wasn't working for them yet. He you know, he, he was he a saving disciple might as well be his son. Uh, whereas Lane was you know, he had people flying into Atlanta the week leading up to the peaceful interviewing them for his coaching staff, uh, with him and Kendall Bryles. Like he, he was trying to get things done, um to make the transition to FAU easier. And I don't think Saban uh, appreciated that. I know the Kiffin missing the bus, that rubbed the administration the wrong way because he's the one who put the story out there, and it, it, it didn't feel right. And I know a lot of people were upset with his play calling 
against Washington, especially in the third quarter. But if you look at it, it's pretty much the same thing they had done all year. Yeah. So I don't understand why people were upset. Jalen Hurts threw the ball, what, 15 times? I mean, like, yeah, what did he do that was ball. so wrong? And and the thing is, you know, Bama's paying this guy a salary, right? They're paying Kiffin money to work for Alabama. Until he no longer works for Alabama, he's not drawing a check from Florida Atlantic. So Florida Atlantic's not paying him until until he started, actually. So you can't have two jobs at once. And I, I just wonder why Saban didn't make this move before. It's, I guess you put a month into it for one game plan, almost a month before he accepted that job, right? So he's he's, he's the one with the game plan for Washington and done all the film work. I think, you know, the short turnaround, you can't really prepare for Clemson or Ohio State really in full. So I think it was just a chance to start over with a new offensive coordinator that would give you all the the work and, and everything. I mean, plus he is the offensive coordinator replacing Kiffin. So he's going to be more focused on it. But Kiffin just, I think he hurt his name a lot by doing it this way because you're not usually asked to leave before a championship game. I mean, this is – I mean, and, and Saban's not worried about his players going with Kiffin. They're, nobody's going to Florida Atlantic. There's there's players that actually take Division two scholarships over scholarships to Florida Atlantic. So that's not the case. It wasn't recruiting. It was not putting in the work. I'm sure he got a little mouthy, Jonathan, with Saban a couple of times. Maybe some arrogance, you know, hey, I'm not working for you anymore, so you don't tell me what to do kind of thing. But I think this makes Kiffin look bad. So if he doesn't do well in Florida Atlantic, I think his coaching, head coaching career is over. I think it's completely over. I mean, I could definitely um, I could definitely see that. I mean, the last coach that I remember in this, because he was at Florida State, that was told by uh, in a situation like this was Mark Rick. Uh, we all know how his coaching career has turned out. Obviously, uh, wasn't as tumultuous uh, in the lead-up as Lane as Lane's has been. So I don't know if I mean because the, the joke is, look, Lane got fired from Alabama after he got hired by another school. Like that's kind of funny. Yeah, and, you, got, I mean, you got fired on your day off, Smokey. You know. I mean, you know he, but, yeah, I, 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 you know what the problem is with this. My problem with this is everybody is now yes, yes. This is now the Bama built-in excuse. Well, you know, we fired Kiffin. Oh, how are we supposed to be? Well, if Kiffin came out and said, if during a week, if he was up against it, Sarkeesian was doing the was doing you know some of the game plan with him, if not half of it. So it's not like this is all brand new. Sarkeesian has been worked into this, but it also takes away from the storyline of. Rematch takes away from the storyline of Jalen Hurts, a true freshman quarterback, starting for a national title. No fresh, no true freshman has won a national championship since Holloway for Oklahoma in, the, in what was that, like 1980, in 1982? I mean, you know, yeah, there, there, there are multiple storylines here. The Saban dynasty. But all anybody wants to talk about right now is Lane Kiffin, and that's what frustrates me. There's so much good story here, so much intrigue, and we're, all, we're focused on Kiffin. And the Alabama fan base now already has a built-in excuse, and you can already hear some of them getting ready to use it. They already have that whiny tone, and that's what bothers me. Well, honestly, I think Kiffin's a little better than what people are giving him credit for. But what, what aggravates me from Bama fans, and you probably saw my post, Bama fans, please just shut up. He worshiped the guy while he was there, and now that he's let go, he's just scum. He's just trash or something. Come on. You can't have it both ways. He's, he's a good offensive coach. And look what he's done. He's made This is their third playoff appearance with three different quarterbacks. I mean – that's a storyline. I mean, <laughs> how do you make three playoffs in a row with three separate quarterbacks and, and really none of them that good, to be honest with you? I mean, that's the honest truth. Lane Kiffin used the strength of those quarterbacks to to be efficient and rely on that defense. I mean, Kiffin's better than what people are saying. And I'm sure he's immature in ways, but come on. I mean, these Bama fans act like they've been just fired and say, I, 
I don't think Saban fired him. I just think it was uh, it was a conflict of interest. And if, and, I mean, really, honestly, would you care more about the national championship or would you show more loyalty to the team that just hired you as a head coach? Touchdown, Green Bay, Hail Mary. How many times is this going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, man? Touchdown, <laughs> Hail Mary. The best quarterback in the business, guys. If you didn't see that last touchdown before that, he had 10 seconds. He bought time to throw Green Bay going up 14 to 6, pending if they will, if they hit the extra point. But, uh, Jonathan, I've watched Bama play this year, and I've played Clemson play. I've seen Clemson play at a level when they played Auburn where they weren't clicking yet. Auburn wasn't clicking yet either, first game of the season. But I watched Clemson through after that loss they suffered. Man, they saw cylinders. And I think Clemson is playing their best football at the right time. My question to you, has Alabama already seen their best football? And so if Clemson's playing their best and Alabama's not playing their best, I, I do think Clemson's got a good shot to win this game because I think Clemson's peaking right now. Uh, it, it does look that way. Uh, I mean, look, the, the big thing for Clemson is uh, Deshaun can't turn the ball over. I mean, that, that's going to be the big thing at the end of the day. If you look at the games where he's turned the ball over um, multiple times, I mean, we're talking about the Florida State game. We're talking about um, the Pittsburgh game. I want to say Louisville. Uh, and then Troy, what about the Auburn? Did, did y'all pick him apart a little bit? Because I think y'all got a couple turnovers out of him in that game, right? Yeah, I'm done with Auburn football. I quit. <laughs> so, I mean, um, you know, so a- any time they lost or played in a tight game, Deshaun was, was a little reckless with the football. I mean, he, he you know, when he gets to Alabama, a team that finds a way to turn turnovers into touchdowns. You can't do that. Uh, but I, I do think this defense is playing the best it has all season. Um the offense looked good against Ohio State. There's no doubt about that. But I, I don't think it was a dominant performance. I, I think they played better against uh, Pittsburgh, Louisville, Florida State. Like I've seen that, that offense uh, play much better throughout the year. Yeah. They were they were very conservative. Once they realized Ohio State couldn't move the ball, it was all right. Well, we ain't really gonna do much. Yeah, well, I'm gonna tell you something, and I'm not. And this is coming from someone that actually hates. You know, this is a rival of Alabama. I'm Auburn. So, this Alabama team, and and I keep asking people that think Clemson's got a shot, Jonathan, they're Clemson's going to win, revenge factor. Let me say this one time for people. Revenge means nothing. Revenge means nothing in football, guys. I hear people say the revenge factor. There is no revenge factor. Once you get popped in the mouth one time, it's all over with. You go out there and you play the game – Whoever executes the best wins the game. Not the person seeking revenge wins the game. Seeking revenge and being mad doesn't make you play better. It just makes you play stupid. So a lot of people that say that. But I've seen this Bama defense up close and in person. And, Jonathan, I think they held back a little bit against Washington overall as a team. I'm not taking anything away from Washington at all. I've seen Alabama play every game. I've seen Clemson's every game. And this defense for Alabama is going to give you an A game tomorrow night. They're not going to play like they played against Washington, which they played great against Washington on defense, but you thought it was good against Washington. You just wait until they play Clemson again because I'm telling you, this defense is probably the best I've ever seen in my lifetime. I don't know about you in your lifetime of who's better or or what, but how does Clemson score on Alabama? And you also worry about – how many how many defensive touchdowns or special teams does Alabama get against Clemson? That's the key. If Alabama scores a defensive touchdown, it's over. I mean, it's it's not going to be a close game. And so, if you're Clemson, how do you score on Alabama? Uh, well, you look at the game plan you had last year, and you go, hey, you know, this worked a couple times against them. Do that. I mean, let, let's not forget that Clemson dropped 40 points on Alabama last year, which was essentially the same offense. The only thing they were missing happens to be Mike Williams with back now. I mean, you know, that, that's kind of a big factor here. You know, a lot of it, they bring up the revenge thing, and I like your little rant on it, just a quick and easy buzzword at the end of the day. Uh, but the, 
the thing that separates good coaching staff from great coaching staff and why the revenge has you know, the meaning it does, if you will, is because a bad coaching staff that won the first matchup but does not make any adjustment, they go do the same thing again, don't worry about it, who cares, we won the game, and they'll lose. They will lose because the team that lost will make adjustments. They'll, they'll change up some things. They'll get some stops. They'll score some more points, and they'll win the game. All right, so for Clemson, offensively, you had a great game plan last year. Maybe you, met, maybe you tweak a couple things here and there to, make, you know, to find a way to uh, include Mike Williams in it. But other than that, you don't really need to change the offensive game plan. Defensively, you have to change the game plan a little bit to gear more for the quarterback. <laughs> oh, Jay Howard. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, I, you know. So you know, you you, find, you you get one of your safeties on OJ Howard, uh, and you you need to make sure your linebackers understand their assignments. And this constant defensive line is nasty. This is going to be Alabama's biggest test as an offensive line that they're going to have all year. I don't think they're going to be able to have the success running the football that they did against Washington. Okay, but looking at this from that standpoint, this is why Lane Kiffin has been such an amazing offensive coordinator. Blake Sims, they didn't make the championship game, but they made the playoff, right? Has the record for most passing yards in the season for an Alabama quarterback with the safety the year before. Then you have Jacob Coker, right? These are all first-time starters. That's like the best thing about what he's done here. So you have Jacob Coker who comes in, okay, leads the team to the championship, but it's not like, it feels like he didn't do a lot because you leaned on Derrick Henry so much, right? So you went from a pass-heavy offense to more of a I-formation offense. Now you're in pretty much a zone reach spread. It's the same offense that Auburn ran with Nick Marshall. Oregon would run with, like, Mariota. They didn't throw the ball as much. Uh, and Alabama's clearly not throwing the ball as much as those two did. But it's almost the same thing. So he's had three different offenses. This is why Lane Kiffin is such a good offensive coach. Wilson hasn't really seen this offense outside the Louisville game because Louisville ran a similar scheme to this. So they need to figure out what they did against Louisville that was so successful and duplicate that. And that needs yeah, to have to kill not, that offensive line. They're not the same team, though. There's, there's animals. Louisville's a bunch of three stars and transfers. Alabama is a machine. And, and I disagree But the with biggest difference is quarterback. The quarterback's the most yeah, important part of the it. offense. And look, Heisman, true freshman that has looked shaky at many times, including last week. The reason Alabama's offense seems more conservative than it had been all year was because Hurts almost got picked off on, what, his first or second pass attempt? And you saw the wide eyes and everybody went, "Uh uh-oh, Washington's secondary is actually as good as we think it is. That's all it was. Well, you saw it in the Iron Bowl. You saw it in the Iron Bowl, a big game like that. And even though it wasn't – Big, big game. Like, you saw the SEC championship game. You saw those deer in the headlight eyes. Then we have the playoffs. But one thing I disagree with you with, I think Alabama will run the ball better against Clemson than they would Washington. I, I was impressed with Washington's ability to get up there. And, and they didn't – they got run a little bit. But to be able to adjust, uh, like you said, Hurts only threw 15 times. But the reason Alabama is not throwing as much is because they don't trust it. And I wonder – and this is what's bad for Clemson, John, and tell me, is you have to go back. And I know that the entire offense is not going to change all of a sudden like some people think. I mean, it's not like Sarkeesian involving a whole new playbook into Alabama in a week. That's not going to happen. But do you think Saban had this plan so much that maybe Kiffin was handling the the Washington play calling and everything, but Sarkeesian was coming up with a plan to – to play Clemson. Coaches know who's going to win football games. Everybody that had a brand with Clemson was going to win. Do you think there'll be a difference in style of play calling with Sarkeesian? And if so, you're going to have to go all the way back to the USC days and study USC really more than you are Alabama right now. Well, you can't completely change out an offense right now. I mean, that's just way too much. Yeah, yeah, but how much of it can you really switch off, especially when a freshman quarterback that you've been trying to break in all year. Um, I, I I don't think they're going to – I don't think there's really going to be any changes to a system from a coach that, uh, well, um, hasn't really called plays at all this year. He's been 
you know, helping scheme up game plans for second down. You know, I'm not trying to picking his nose. Get jerk, but that's been his job this year. Picking his nose. Uh, well, I had a feeling you'd uh, you'd bring that up. Yeah, you know me <laughs> well enough to know that, man. Mm-hmm. You know, but but I think Sarkeesian has more of a. Uh, tendency to throw the ball down the field more, unless I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but I'm thinking Sarkeesian, I mean, you look at Bama's receivers and they're tied in. My God. I mean, all Americans, I mean, if they could get the ball more, these guys are talented. You don't hear a lot about Alabama receivers because you hear Bo Scarborough, you hear Hurts, you hear O.J. Howard, this big offensive line that's gotten better over the year. But I think the matchup problem is the secondary of Clemson. They lost their entire one, – one thing you forgot to mention about this rematch is this is not the same Clemson defense that played last year. It's not as mature. The secondary doesn't have that go-to guy. And I think Alabama, that's where you exploit them. And I think with the offensive line you have, you're going to be able to protect Hurts with his running ability to be able to boss time and throw some deep balls down the field. That's the way I'm attacking Clemson. And I don't think anybody talks about that too much. Oh, I mean, because Clemson's defense has kind of been a weak point all year. Um, you know, you look at, you look at how they gave up 30, what was it, 35 to Louisville, 34 to Florida State, 40-something to Pitt. Uh, you know, it's not like their defense has been uh, at, you know, lights out or dominant. It's just that at times it has shown brilliance as an over, let's say, the past month, it has looked its best that it has all year. It reminds a lot of people of the defense that shut a lot of people down last year. Um, you know, it, my, and going back to it, I, Clemson's defensive line might actually be the best in football. Uh, in my eyes it is. I know, you know, it's a three-man front. So a lot of people are, you know, going to try and get nitpicky with me about it. But honestly, <laughs> three guys who are amazing on that D line. Look, Alabama's got a good defensive line, but I look at at Clemson and I see three guys on that line that I want at Florida State, and all three of them start. There's no doubt about that. I look at Alabama. I want Jonathan Allen. It's like I'd rather have your linebackers. You know what I'm saying? Um. With Alabama in your line, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Right. But I, I, I still think I still think Alabama's got the better defensive line uh, than Clemson. Just just from maybe I'm an SEC guy through SEC glasses looking at it, maybe. But my God, I mean they don't give up anything, and that's why I say, you know, Alabama doesn't even need a secondary. They just need that front seven. That's all they need. Because you say if they're playing effective, you're not going to be able to throw the ball on them. I think Watson may be forced to come back to college after this game. He may look so bad. But I, I think well, I, I that's think what Alabama said is relishing year. this underdog. I think they're relishing this underdog role in a way, so to speak. They're not an underdog with a spread. They're six and a half point favorite. But I'm telling you, Alabama feels like an underdog, and I think they seen it a while with me on CBS. I read an article that said something about. Alabama was relishing the opportunity, like feeling like the underdog. I'm like, wow. So I, I agree with somebody on CBS here, but I'm, I'm proud to find the article. But it feels like it. After that Ohio State game, and, and people with Lane Kiffin distraction here, and this is it, what you said. Lane Kiffin's distracting this game from being, I mean, it's a great game. It's a great matchup with a lot of great stories. And I think it's taken people's, you know, focus off of, of what's really a hand. And here's another article. Distraction from Sark threatens Bama's dynasty. Really? Distraction created by Switch threatens their dynasty. Are you kidding me? They're either, they're already making the excuses for all of that, that Alabama in case they lose. That's just I, I, unbelievable. I just, Sark's a good coach. Well, I just don't understand how the seven-point favorite and defending national champ and the only undefeated team in college football Feels like an underdog. I don't. I mean, that's cute, guys. I like how you're you're saying it. It's adorable. Um, <laughs> hats off to you. But you're not underdog. Stop trying to stop trying to pump a story that you are. I mean, really, come on. Who's 
who, who, who somebody was this? Hey, guys, we're Alabama. We've won, what, five titles in, like, eight years. We're underdogs. Okay? I believe you. Get him out of here. He's, he needs to go to the mental institution. <laughs> well, let's, let's come back to this game. And I want to go back to last Monday night and uh, – Man, it was. I knew it was about night, Jonathan. I'm sitting here halfway through the game. It's halftime, 14 to 13. Didn't know my quarterback broke his arm on the first play or the first series of the game, and uh, I had to leave the game and go to the hospital for a little while. So I didn't get to watch the second half, and I'm glad I didn't, from what I'm hearing. So I went back and watched it, and I'm like, guys. You quit. I mean, Auburn lost their top two quarterbacks in the game. What is it with Franklin? His finger, he couldn't grip the ball? I mean, really? What, what have you been doing with that finger in the hand? It was supposedly a cramp. Oh, my God. Get him out of If Sean White ever steps foot on the field for Auburn again, I'm done. Um we get these Sean White disciples out there. And here's again, and, and this is not because we lost, because I feel if Sean White would have played the entire game, Jonathan, I'd feel like it would have been a lot closer. I think we may have pulled it off. Who knows? I can't predict the future. But I'll tell you this. If, you, if, if Sean White breaking his arm did not bring it to the attention of the staff, and when you saw that one throw down the field, it looked like a dying duck, whale, whatever you want to call it. I mean, how in the world can you trust John White as a quarterback if he will not even tell you that his arm is broken? But granted, he wants to be out there with his team, he says. Well, if he's really a team guy, don't you think he'd have said something and let John Franklin come in? I guess he knew John Franklin had a hurt hand. But as soon as Jeremy Johnson entered the game, it was over. I mean, that's how bad it was. As soon as Jeremy Johnson came back in the football game, it's over. But Give me your thoughts on why. There's some idiots running around here thinking that he can still win the job next year from Jarrett Stidham. It's not going to happen, my friend. No, I don't think – I think Sean White's career as a starter at Auburn is uh, effectively over uh, with Stidham. Thank God. Look, I'll I'll give him credit for – trying to grit out and be tough and be there for his team. Uh, but when you're a liability, I mean, it's the same thing as the Georgia game, where you're clearly a liability to your team more than you you are an asset at that point. You have to know when to step aside. John Franklin III, as I've been trying to tell you for I can't, I don't know how long at this point, yeah, he's not have. good. He's you not have. good. The best that offense was. But as a fan, was, you want to. But if it's a fan, you want him to be. You know, as a fan, you just want him to be. And no, that's different no. Between. Why? No, I'm Why? talking about Why? me as a me as a fan. I, oh, okay. I, I saw him out there. I wanted him to be good because I knew what we had behind him, and I knew Sean White couldn't get us done. So I just thought he had to be. But what I've heard Jeremy, is about John Taylor III. He's just dumb as a box of rocks. Yeah, and yeah, Jeremy moves the, the ball, but he throws in triple coverage. He throws in triple coverage uh, too much. He, he makes too many dumb decisions. They, they talk, Jesse Palmer talked about that during the game. Um, you know, hat, hat to Jesse Palmer on this. He said, look, the kid's got all – he's got the physical talent. He's got all the tools, and he can make the throws. It's, it's in between the ears. You know, he makes so many bad mistakes uh, where, you know, it, it's just – it's a – it's a bath on the double coverage. He doesn't see the safety roaming. Doesn't see under uh, the the under linebacker. I mean, there's just so many times where he throws a pick, and you're like, really? What were you doing? Uh, but I mean, he came in and he actually had the ball moving. And I, honestly, I think Malzahn should have gone to him before he went to Franklin because we've seen Franklin multiple times this year. And every time, look, John Franklin started a game that Sean White was declared out because of injury, and they had to put Sean White in. That is it. That tells you what Franklin is. Move, move to another yeah. position, son, because you can't figure it out. And, unfortunately, Auburn's kind of stacked at wide receiver, so you're better off transferring to a D2 school like Treon Harris did um, if, if, if you want to play quarterback or if you want to play any position at this point. Because I think the only thing John Franklin might be able to play is special teams. Right? That's why he ain't going to the NFL. All right, so make sure you get a good degree, yeah. son. 
Yeah, and I'm disappointed. In, and I think coaches can only do so much. I mean, you can't make someone smarter. I'm sorry. If you're a coach, there's one thing. You have to be able to pick it up in the playbook. And what I've heard about John Franklin III now, that, you know, but the other guy, Woody Barrett, the red shirt, the quarterback, I heard he says he'll never play a game at Auburn because of what's between the years. And he can't pick it up. I don't care how athletic you are. I don't care how good of an arm you have. If you don't know the playbook, if you can't, when pressure's on, if you if you don't attack, then you're you're going to get attacked. And Jared Stidham, I've watched the film on him. I'm telling you, Jonathan, I think Auburn has everything in the world, guy. They have a chance. Can they lose a couple games? Of course. It's football. You, the best thing doesn't always win. But if you look at what they brought in, who they redshirted, what they have coming in on the offensive line. Have you looked at Auburn's offensive line class? Calvin Thanks Matthews, to you, yes. Yeah, there's a, he's the number one probably lineman in the country, in my mind, looking at him. And some of the scouts said that if it wasn't for a college rule, he would go directly to the NFL. That's how ready he is to play at that level. So we need that. We bring him in the top offensive line class. You've got a quarterback. You're bringing back most of your offensive line, all your weapons. You're missing a couple of defensive players. But, my God, you're loaded with depth there. So this is it for Gus Malzahn. I mean, it, I, and I can use the excuse, you know, you lost Oklahoma. Oklahoma's won, what, 10 in a row, something like that. They're, they're playing real good football right now. They beat the mm-hmm. piss out of us. But when you're when you're having to use your third string quarterback and Jeremy Johnson and Franklin didn't get a lot of reps during that Sugar Bowl month. I mean they didn't. It's just hard to beat a team as potent as Oklahoma. If we were playing somebody without an offense, it would have been a lot easier. But Oklahoma, you gotta take your hats off to them. Bob Stoops and Mayfield. That Mayfield guy played unbelievable. And uh he won the game for him. And I know Joe Mixon, as much as he liked to hit women, he hit the Auburn defense too. So, mad respect for him for coming out there on the field and competing. But do you think he's going to be drafted in the second round? Maybe. I don't know if he gets drafted at all based off that video. I don't know if the NFL is going to take a chance on him. He may get, he may get a, a restricted, he may get picked up after the draft. But do you really think he's going to get drafted in the top two rounds? Uh, I think Nixon's going to be, I mean, I've heard rumblings that he's going to go undrafted, um, which intrigues me. Michael Floyd just got picked up by the Patriots, and, uh, you know, he's looking at jail time. Uh, but, I mean, so, you know, the, the NFL don't care. And they don't. They, they don't they don't really care about the PR hit too much. And, you know, the NFL can say, look, this happened back in, what, 2014? Like, this has been a minute, yeah. guys. Well, you know, know, Jonathan, Ray Rice, Ray Rice, people forget that happened. He had played, but he he did that when he was struggling, you know. They they got rid of him when he was on the downfall, right? He was doing good when he got suspended. He was kind of tailing off. He he wasn't at the peak. He was towards nobody. Nobody wanted to take a chance on him because – they didn't really like him. This Joe Nixon guy can play football. <laughs> That's one thing he can do. And uh, I can't I mean, guy, but man, he can play football. The real Green Beckham uh, was second round pick. Um, Frank Clark was a second round pick. Tyree Hill was a fifth round pick. Okay, so Nixon most likely will get picked between second and fifth round if he gets if he gets drafted. I could easily see him being a second round pick just based off of talent. Honestly, he has first round talent. He should, he is one of the better running backs in this class. Uh, easily uh, yeah. top three. I think he's better than McCaffrey. Uh, but I mean, obviously he has that that incident hanging over his head, uh, especially now that the video has been released. Which you know, if the video had been released last year and not this year. I wonder if it affects his draft stock as much. That that's a, yeah, that's a big thing. Right, there does. was a long, I mean, that, there was a long drawn out legal battle to get that to, for that video to be released to begin with. Um, so you know that that's why it got released when it did. I, I just 
I think I, I think uh, you know people don't like Tyree Hill. They don't. Um, but you see him playing. You see him in the playoffs. He's gonna he's gonna be uh, you know uh, for the Chiefs. When he's playing for the Chiefs, he's, you know, he's a big playmaker. He's a huge contributor from that offense. Without them, I don't know if the Chiefs are the two seed in the AFC. So, you know, it's going to take a team that wants to take that chance, like the Chiefs, who look at it, Andy Reid looks at the situation and goes, let me take the troubled ones and, you know, we'll, we'll find some good. Or the Patriots can do it. Somebody's going to take a shot on Joe Mixon. They will. Yeah. Hey, Jonathan, is that your Bluetooth or mine? Or your, it's kind of crackling uh, a little bit. Oh, it could be fine, so let me know if it's – or whatever it is. But in closing about Auburn – um, a lot of these Auburn fans killed me, man. It's it's just like they don't get that you lose football games sometimes and, you know, you, you want your team to win. But as soon as a team loses, Jonathan, fire the damn coach. Firing. I mean, firing for Sean White breaking his arm. Firing for Franklin being hurt in that game for some odd reason. Fire him. I mean, you're playing a good Oklahoma team that's going to finish in the top five. You lost. They beat you, and and I think firing Malzahn right now would be stupid, don't you? I mean, with the top ten recruiting every year, and being able to bring a quarterback like Stidham into this in this place, that's what they've been missing. People forget that you've had Nick Marshall and Cam Newton. You haven't been able to find it in a few years. So you, you played in what in the last six years? You played in two national championships games. You won one of them. A lot of schools can't say that. But I just don't think that – I think a bad quarterback can make your entire staff look bad. A bad quarterback can make your defensive coaches look bad because your defense is kind of on the field long. I just give Miles on this year and see what he does. If you get Stidham in there and you can't win the SEC West with Alabama and Georgia at home next year, then something's wrong. Clemson's on the road. Forget that game. LSU's on the road. You've you got to split Clemson and LSU, really. I would rather beat LSU on the road than Clemson. But it's all about those home games. If you can't finish off a season and win the SEC West next year, I think Gus is gone. I do. I mean, you got to win. He's winning eight games, though, with quarterbacks that are average. So give him a quarterback like Stidham and see what he can do. He's shown you he can go undefeated with Cam Newton. And he, can, he can go two losses with Nick Marshall one of the championship games. Do you agree that, that Malzahn should stay around another year? Well, all right, so here's the issue. Uh, a, like Auburn, y'all are a really, really, really fickle fan base. Stop it. Like, bro. Like, no, no, don't say y'all. I'm good, man. Uh, but, all right, so if Alabama wasn't as good as they were right now, would, ever, would he be calling for Malzahn's head? Probably nope. not. And that's nope. that's the issue is you comp- you're comparing yourself to Alabama, who is a dynasty right now. And it, it, it'd be a lot like Miami comparing themselves to Florida State right now. Where it's like, look, y'all can't do that. Like I know you, you hate it. Your rival is the best team in the state, right? But it makes it really hard to objectively look at what you're doing and go, we're, we're building things here. Like Miami fans, well, this year, you know, their fan base is actually a little more realistic this year than I ever expected, where the year wasn't a total, complete, utter disaster, especially now they finally won a bowl game. Congratulations, it's only been, what, 10 years. Uh, but, you know, where, where you know, they compared themselves to Florida State for so many years, like, well, look, Florida State's doing good things. What are you all doing? You know, and Florida right now is their fan base starting to go through the same thing that Auburn's going through. But they're looking at Florida State going, well, what what is this? Why can't we compete with them? Why aren't we on the same level? Well, sometimes you have to accept that that your rival, your biggest rival, is just a step ahead right now. I mean, it comes in cycles. Y'all had your time. Florida State's going to have their time. Miami will have their time. That's just how this tends to work out. Uh, whether, you know, you like it or not. And if you're Auburn, you have to realize that you're stuck in an unwinnable situation where Alabama has a dynasty going on and it's going to take a perfect storm for you guys to to compete for a title. 
That's what that's what it's going to take, just like 2013. It yeah, took man. two miracles. Yeah, you know, you look at uh, the yeah. 2010 year, if you don't have Cam Newton, let's say you have, um, you know, uh, let's say you have A.J. McCarron, okay, for that year. Do you win the title? Probably not. No. Cam Newton was so good, he made up for any deficiency that offense had. That was the great thing about Cam. So you need a transcendent player and you need some luck on your side. You know, and, and, and if you're winning eight, nine, ten games, those are good gear. Those really are. Especially, you know, if you want eight games and play in the Sugar Bowl, that's a good year. Especially considering what everybody have y'all doing. I mean, I know I had y'all going like six and six. Exceeded my expectations by far, no doubt about that. All right, so you know, right now you, you need to look at that. What's the expectation? Let's not make the championship an expectation. Let's make that a goal. That's what we'd love to do. Let's have some realistic mind about this. If your expectation was to be eight and four, you know, and play and like the Citrus Bowl, the Outback Bowl, well, boom, you exceeded that by going to the Sugar and being the number two team in the SEC at the end of the regular season. Granted, it's a down year for the conference, and that caused a little more panic. But still, Auburn fans just need to relax. That the, the your part of your fan base that's yeah. going in full on Armageddon mode needs to calm down and realize that not everybody can be the champion. Not everybody can be in the playoffs. Nope. Get what as well said, and it's it's all it's all about Alabama. If those boys were going seven and five, or if they were playing in the Outback Bowl, Auburn fans would be they'd be looking at the future. If you look at the recruiting class, there's not much separating all these top ten teams. What's separating Auburn from winning the SEC is a quarterback, and I think we got him, and if he pans out, I think you'll be looking at a new Western champion. But I want to move to Colin Coward's comments, and I don't know how he comes up with this. After the bowl season, after Ohio State lost to Clemson, uh, Big Ten finally catches SEC and, out, and surpasses them. I mean, how, how in the world do you go three and seven in bowls, Jonathan? All the three of your four major teams lose. Your your top three teams lose. Your fourth one won, but all of a sudden, after they go three and seven, now they pass the SEC. What what am I missing here with Colin Coward? If anything, you could say the ACC may have surpassed the SEC, but there's no way you could say the Big Ten did. So. I know you listened to that. I know you read it. What do you think? Um, I actually didn't listen to Cowherd. Uh, he infuriates me. Uh, and I, I, all I saw was the headline, and my response to that is, shock jock being a shock jock, yo. <laughs> That's all he is at the end of the day. He's just trying to say things to get reactions and to get people to tune in. I don't I don't know if he honestly needs anything he says. It's no different than Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith or Paul Feinbaum or Howard Stern. You know. Um, so look, if Cowherd wants to say dumb stuff, let him say dumb stuff. If you don't agree with him, don't pay attention to him. That that that's all I gotta say. Look, we clearly the SEC and the ACC are the top two conferences in football. And there's no doubt about it as a Florida State fan I've had to come to terms with the ACC as a as a whole is stepping up. You know, people say they um the Coastal Division is just its a mess. And then you realize that all but one of those teams that have division with bowling this year. Um, and I want to say, what, four or five of them won eight games? Uh, so, you know, I, I think, you know, the ACC is, is making a rise that the SEC did uh, in the early 2000s to where they became the dominant conference. And I think the ACC is ready to join them um, as the two best clear-cut conferences in college football by far. And obviously that has a lot to do with where they're located uh, with the recruiting and everything. Uh, but I, I'm just going to say, so, don't listen to Colin. Well, let's look at Scout. No, I, just, I just pulled them up. Let's look at the rankings. And if you want to talk about the top ten teams, there's there's six teams in the top ten recruiting. They're one and two, Alabama one, Georgia two. You've got eight and six, Auburn seven, Tennessee eight, and nine. And you got Florida State, the number one team in the ACC at 11. And I don't understand it. I mean, the different rankings are different ones. But the Big Ten, yeah, you got Michigan, Ohio State, but it's going to be hard to recruit Penn State. It's going to be hard to get a lot of people to come there. It's going to be hard to get people to come to Michigan State, a lot of people. They've got, what, five four stars and 12 three stars. That's what they're made up of. 
They they require three to four years of playing before they're even relevant. Penn State's at 13th, doing a little better than than I thought. Hell, Maryland's in the Big Ten ranked ahead. But SEC dominates recruiting guys, and that's why they're the number one conference. Yes, they're down this year from from other years because of the quarterback play. Let's just be honest. Look at the all the quarterbacks in the SEC besides Dobbs, I think, are, are underclassmen and A&M's guy, but got a lot of young there in the SEC, and if they win the championship the, tomorrow night, it's really Alabama and everybody else really in the SEC this year. But I think it's going to start changing a little bit more um, in the future. I think you're going to start seeing Auburn and LSU and Georgia and Alabama, some of the big dogs, of course, be relevant again. But but to have the the Big Ten pumped in our face all year, Jonathan, to be like, oh, there's three of the top five teams are, are Big Ten, you know, and all this, they suck. I mean, really, Ohio State sucks. We've we talked about it on this show. Michigan's okay. Penn State's pretty good little football team. they got a lot of people coming back. Wisconsin's okay. They, they can beat you any day if you make mistakes. But there's nobody – compared to the SEC and ACC right now. I'm sorry, Big Ten. You just don't have the athletes. And Colin Coward dismissed it. He said, so what, Florida, you beat Iowa. That doesn't matter. So what, Tennessee, you beat Nebraska. Man. It doesn't matter. I mean, what, what matters then? I know bowls aren't everything, but the Big Ten and the SEC played and the Big Ten and the SEC won. The ACC and Big Ten played and the ACC won. So I just don't understand why he came off and said that, that's all. But I'll ignore him from now on. But he's just so stupid. Um, saying USC should have been in the playoffs. And then Penn State should have beat him, Jonathan. That was a great Rose Bowl, by the way. Uh, it was a truly amazing game. I loved watching it. And it's it's funny how probably your two best bowl games um, – you know, in whatever order you want to put them, whereas the Orange and the Rose Bowl. And, and I think some of the other bowl games, you know, lower tier, uh, were phenomenal games. Like, you know, the Belk Bowl was a really good game. And the Hardest Dallas Bowl was a good game. Uh, but, you know, the Orange and the Rose, I think you look at the talent on the field and, and you look at the way the games ended, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, what we saw, you know, was Penn State's got an amazing offense and they're returning most of those guys. <laughs> you know, uh, USC's got an amazing offense, and they're returning a lot of their guys too. Um, you know, both defenses didn't have great days, but I don't, I didn't see really any bad defense. I saw just better offense at the end of the day. Um, you know, just an amazing performance. And what I saw when I watched that was, you know, maybe Penn State was the best, the best team in the Big Ten. Maybe that's why they yeah. won the conference. Just. Just just spitballing maybe I, I don't know thinking. what I'm talking about, but Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And yeah, there were a lot of great bowl games out there to watch. I know Sonny doesn't doesn't agree with us on that, but there was there were some great great bowl games out there. Those the uh, rose and the orange by far are the best ones. But O'Coward mentioned yeah, see Oklahoma beat Auburn, the SEC's down, Big Ten's better. Okay. Well, Asked, he never responded to my tweets when I said, you go 3-7 and seven in the bowls and you've been outscored 69 to nothing in your last two playoff games, and so you're the best conference. Huh? Okay. Uh, I'm try, trying to figure it out here. But he was pumping Ohio State against Clemson, though, talking about how they were the true team, how, how great they were. The Giants just scored a touchdown to pull within two. Do you go for the two-point conversion right here in this game? I say yes. In the cold weather on the road, I say you go for two. Uh, their coaching's been really conservative today, so I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, but uh, I would. Yeah, I'm going for two, especially with Aaron Rodgers on the field. He's been amazing. What they do. No, they're kicking it. They're kicking it. They don't want to chase those points. So there's really not a wrong answer in this situation. It's just what you prefer. But the NFL – Speaking of them, they've been those first three games have been snooze fest, and uh, man, the Patriots are the luckiest team in the world to get to play the Texans next week. And what about Seattle? Like, like they're they're gonna beat Atlanta next week? Like they don't even have to play. Seattle will not beat Atlanta, Jonathan. Mark my words on that. 
Seattle will not go in a dome and beat Atlanta. Uh, I I have no problem with that. I thought Seattle got the benefit of uh, some questionable officiating last night. Uh, Mike Pereira, who you know is the used to be a, an NFL ref for a long time. Um, Fox brings him on before the, uh, the Giants-Packers game today. He said uh, seven refs graded below uh, acceptable uh, for their performance in that game last night. And, yeah, that, that, that seems about right from everything we saw. Uh, boy, I think Seattle still got some warts, and I think it's along the offensive line. Uh, Vic Beasley's really come along for the Falcons this year. Uh, Matt Ryan has had an outstanding year up at offense. Uh, Julio Jones is healthy. You got Freeman in the backfield has been phenomenal. I um I, I think the Falcons stand a very good chance of moving on to the NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, it's just the NFC I think is very good. It's very it's very talented um, with with the top five, and you could have kind of plugged anybody in that Lions game. I don't think anybody was actually going to go to Seattle and win that game out of the possible wild-card teams, whether it's Detroit, Tampa, uh, or uh, Washington. Uh, you know, I, I look at um, I look at the AFC. I mean, obviously, Oakland had their quarterback situation. You know, and that, that's, that's one of the reasons why they struggled yesterday, even though their defense didn't necessarily play that well. Uh, Miami just, you kind of knew it was going to happen. You know, and Miami had a very good year considering what they have been for, you know, since Marina left. But you just kind of know they weren't going to have the horses to beat Pittsburgh today. Um, you know, I, I think the AFC really is Pittsburgh at New England. Or can't, at this point, maybe Kansas City, but I, I still like the Steelers in that game. Uh, the Patriots are the, the AFC champs. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. They're going to be favored uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, so it's just who are they going to play. Yeah. What aggravated me about Miami? And, Jason, I see you. I'm about to bring you on. Um I mean, they're acting like it's cold. I mean, look, you're grown men, for God's sake. You're getting a hefty salary. Quit acting like a bunch of sissies and worrying about how what the temperature is. Make sure you brought all your blankies with you and stuff and your pacifier and your mittens. and Go out there and act like you want to win. They were beat before it even started, man. And it's all mental. They can't go up to Pittsburgh and play in a cold game. I mean, really? Is it that cold? I mean, I know it's cold, but be men about it. Go out there and play, and let's bring Jason on and see what he's got to say. Jason, welcome. Hey, guys, how are you guys doing? Good. Good, how are um, you? What did you guys, um, first question, what did you guys think about the um, cow firing the coach today? Mm-hmm. Sounds like it sounded like they wanted Chip Kelly, but I, I don't think Chip's going to go to California. We'll see though. I heard no, something about Tennessee's defensive coordinator was going. Why would why would Cal want Tennessee's defensive coordinator? Um, well, this situation's weird. It's very weird. So they're looking at Justin Wilcox. Um, they're looking at promoting up as a coordinator, which from the feeling I got from some of the fan base, um, some of the things they've said, it would be almost Armageddon-like. But the amazing thing here is it's a $10 million buyout, okay? Cal's already like 30-some-odd million in debt, in debt, their athletics department. So this is a hefty chunk to swallow considering you already owe people 36-some-odd million, right? Um now, I heard rumblings that there was a West Coast team that would not hesitate to fire their coach if they would get Chip Kelly. And maybe Cal's that team, I don't know. This is almost the same situation as Minnesota because it seems odd when you wait this long to fire a coach mm-hmm. uh, because you're really yeah, not to pay that the, kind of money. You're out of the cycle. Now, Minnesota did it from what I understand, knowing they were going to get Fleck, and they got Fleck. And Connecticut, from what I understand, did it knowing they were going to get Edsel back, which was weird considering I thought that bridge was burnt when he left, but apparently not. So if if you're Cal, whoever's getting that job, I have to imagine at this point is who they really wanted, and they already came to a uh, hush-hush agreement that they, that uh, that person would come and coach. And if you're the Cal... 
you look at Chip Kelly, the Eagles and the 49ers are both paying his salary next year. He can almost get away with a low first-year deal with him and then, you know, backload it a little bit. Uh, that's something I pay attention to. I think Chip Kelly would be a great fit for them. Um, I think that would be an excellent hire. I'm just not entirely sold on it happening because Chip Kelly is such a uh, an interesting individual. How about Helfrich coming back, Jason, with Chip Kelly to be the offensive coordinator of Cal? Well, I I told my fiance today, why not Helfrich for that head of coaching job? Um, to, that's hell. He, he wins three games. He wins. He wins three games in the same division. Why would they want him? Uh, I don't know. Cheap. Hogan's paying them eleven million. So to get get them cheap. I I don't know. I'm just puzzled yep. about it. It's a month yeah, after the season. Why do you fire him? Why, why do you fire Dykes? I went out like Jonathan said. All that money, ten million dollars. Unless you're about to hit a home run, whether it be even Fisher may be an option there. Mm-hmm. Jeff Fisher yeah. for the Rams. Oh God, no! Chip Kelly. He could be. Yeah. Cal's not the be smartest. A... Cal's not the smartest team in the world, are they, Jason? No, they're uh, claim they are. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe less mouse. Maybe I don't know. But. <laughs> I would Left think it's kind of dumb if they fired the coach just to hire the offense coordinator. So. Yeah, I think you're right, Jason. Who do you like tomorrow night in the game before we go in a few minutes? Um, I like Clemson. I, I really do. I watched it at that Fiesta um, Bowl after some idiot pulled off by a lump. I watched it. And I was really impressed with Clemson's defense. So. You were blessed with them. Well, impressed, impressed, not blessed, impressed. So. Oh. <laughs> you, you, you were you were impressed the way they grabbed people's balls. Is that what you were impressed with? Oh, hey, hey, hey! They wanted, hey, they wanted to touch the balls. Go for it. It's it's the tackle in the pool. Oh, Lord. All right. All right, Jason. Well, take care, man. He's got Clemson. Jonathan, who are you going to pick for tomorrow night? Um, you know, fastening everything in and how I, I'm just – I'm waiting for the freshman moment. The true, you know, I think we saw some of it last week. They were able to cover it up. I don't know if they can this week. Um. You know, as I stated, I love this Clemson defensive line. I think they're going to eat. Uh, Brent Venables, what an amazing job he's done, considering Oklahoma kind of ran him out of town, huh? Um, and I, I trust, you know, Sean Watson with Mike Williams. You know, the secondary for Alabama has been their their weakness for the most part, and this is going to be the most talented uh, offense Alabama's seen this year. Um, I like Clemson to win a, a, a close game, a good game. I I just think that Clemson offensively is going to be a little too much. Alabama is going to be playing from behind, and that's not a strong suit for them uh, because they're they, they're they're not exactly a, a pass oriented team. I don't know if Alabama plays from behind really too much in that game, but we'll see. I promised my wife I'd only go about an hour tonight, Jonathan. So uh, we'll have a show Wednesday to. Uh, to break down this championship game to go over it and uh, see good. what happens and see which one's right. So you're pulling for Clemson? Are you? Do you have a dog in the fight? Or are you? Are you just predicting? Who do you want to win? Who do you want to win? Uh, a meteor. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I I I, I, I had this conversation with some Clemson fans. And they're like, well, you know, I never thought our rivalry was hostile. I'm like, I don't really like y'all. Like, I, I just, like, you know, I, I used to, I used to like Clemson to be able to kind of pull from them time to time just because I, you know, I knew somebody who played for them. And, um, you know, they had T.J. Spiller, who's a Florida kid, who I, who I appreciated. And they were not really a threat to us, um, especially when Tommy uh, was there, Little Bowden. 
But now that Dabo's there, and I really can't stand Ben Fuller. It's like, mm, you know, I just, I, I can't, there's no conference allegiance here, none of that. I mean, I'm, gonna, I, I'm picking Clemson, but it's it's one of those games where I'm just going to watch it and, and and hope that it's a it's a great fun game. If it's a blowout, I'm I'm going to be disappointed either way. Yeah, yeah. There's no conference allegiance here either. There's no love of Alabama. Trust me, you know me. So I just want a great game tomorrow night, and and uh, I hope Clemson wins it. I'd like to see. I don't like Dabo though. See, that's another thing. I I can't stand either coach. I can't stand either team. But you know what? Auburn played both of them this year. How many teams can say they played both Alabama and Florida and Alabama and Clemson this year? Not many. And gave both kind of a good game. <laughs> they played Alabama and Clemson five times over three years. You're gonna play with Clemson again next year, Alabama. I mean, you know, it's amazing your scheduling. Um, you know, we yeah. obviously get yeah, Alabama okay. and Clemson, so Yep, exactly. Well, guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan, and uh, we'll see you Wednesday night. I'm sure we'll be seeing your tweets during the game tomorrow night, so we'll be watching. (laughs) All right, buddy. Sounds good. All right. Take care.